Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come before your word. Uh, It is a blessing and a privilege, uh, one that we easily forget. There are still people around the world who have not received your word in their own language, and so we pray that you would uh, continue to speed the efforts of translation. Lord, we thank you that today we get to come and read your word and hear what you have to say. Bless us as we learn. May you transform our minds uh, to be more like Christ, that we might thank your thoughts after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So we've been talking about the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, It's, like I've been hammering home, a very big and complex topic, uh, which means there's a lot of different parts, a lot of different aspects, a lot of different layers. Um, But I'm trying to, not always succeeding, but trying to keep a big picture in mind so that we have something to ground ourselves in. Like, what is what are we really pushing forward uh, towards? And that big question, that big picture thing that we're trying to push towards is the promised seed. Right, back in Genesis 3.15, God said, the seed of the woman is going to come. She's, he's going to crush the head of the serpent, and the serpent is going to crush his heel. And then the rest of the scriptures begin to unpack who the seed is, what they're going to do, where they're going to come from, when they're going to come, how it's going to work. All of these things are beginning to be unfolded throughout history. Um, so we've looked at how different covenants answer different questions about the promised seed. Right? The Noahic covenant answers the question, well, what if the serpent wins? Or what if uh, a disaster happens? Or what if mankind is so evil that God's justice has to break out against mankind? What happens to the seed? The Noahic covenant says, okay, I'm gonna, God is going to postpone judgment um, until the end of the world. He's going to keep the world. He's going to preserve it and preserve the peoples in it um, so that the promised seed can come one day. Right? There will be stability, a promise that um, no matter what happens, God's promise that he made in Genesis 3.15 is going to happen. And the Abrahamic question, covenant answers the question, okay, so we know the promised seed will come, but from whom will he come? Right? What is the lineage? And now we learn it's from Abraham and through Isaac, right? not through Ishmael, but through Isaac. And now we've talked about um, how the Mosaic Covenant starts to answer the question, what kind of person is the promised seed going to be? And what is he going to do? What does it mean that he's going to crush the head of the serpent? What's it mean the serpent's going to crush his heel? What is his life going to look like? Um, So now we're beginning to answer these questions. Um, So today we're going to to begin to put concrete answers uh, to that question. Um, but just as a, as a reminder and a little bit of a review, everything that we've talked about so far has been mostly introduction. Um, so we're, we're still scratching the surface of the Mosaic Covenant and what it does. I've essentially introduced it as a covenant of works that depends upon Israel's obedience, even though eternal life was not promised through their obedience. Um, but I've, I've been trying to show how the Mosaic Covenant is, is founded upon a principle of, if you do this... You will have a long life in the land. If you do not do this, you will have a bad life, and then you'll be cast out. You'll be exiled. So even though eternal life was never dependent upon Israel's obedience, the Mosaic Covenant is is showing us what happens when the reward is dependent upon sinful people. So clearly, right, there's a purpose behind the Mosaic that is not about eternal life. Right, the Mosaic Covenant, in that small sense, in that sense of obedience leading to life in the land, it's, it's, that's not the full purpose. Okay, there's a component of it. But the purpose, the ultimate purpose of the Mosaic, 
um, is to push Israel to Jesus. Right? That's the main purpose of the Mosaic Covenant, is to push God's people to Jesus. And it does that in a lot of different ways. Um, But one of the ways that is pretty clear really quickly in Exodus um, is that Israel is going to fail a lot of times, and God is going to be gracious to them a lot of times. For instance, in Exodus 32, right, Israel builds a golden calf and starts to worship it almost immediately after uh, Moses brings the law, right? They start the covenant. Now they're in the, the Mosaic covenant, and they say all these things will do. And then Moses takes a long time coming down the mountain, and so they get bored, and so they make a golden calf and start to worship it. Um, clearly, they've already failed. It's, it's been... Like five seconds, and they're already failing and committing idolatry. So what happens is God initially says, well, he's, I'm going to wipe out Israel and start over with Moses. Moses intercedes. Right? He breaks the tablets to show that the covenant has been broken, and yet he calls upon the Lord and says, don't blot Israel out, blot me out, but don't destroy your people. And so God relents, and he shows grace to Israel, and he makes new tablets. Right? The covenant's been broken. The tablets have been smashed to pieces. The law has been demolished. And then God says, okay, we'll make a new one. We'll make new tablets. We'll reinstitute the covenant, um, even though it's just been broken. That's, that's the Lord showing grace to Israel, even at the very beginning. So clearly, the Mosaic Covenant's not about Israel keeping the law perfectly. It's meant to teach us about God. It's meant to push Israel to their need for the Lord and for a Savior. So historically, um, and this is why I've said repeatedly, right, the the Mosaic Covenant is law-serving grace. And another way to talk about that, that the Reformed tradition has typically used, is they talk about the Mosaic Covenant as an administration of the covenant of grace. Um, But an administration that operates on a works principle, so in other words, right, the Mosaic Covenant was given to advance the, kingdom, uh, to advance the covenant of grace by using a works principle. By setting up the law as do this and live, fail, and you die, what God is teaching them is you have already failed. You need someone to come in and do it for you. He's advancing the covenant of grace through this works principle. Um, so we're going to start to unpack some of those things today and start to see right, how this answers the question about the promised seed. But I have a couple of, of questions to kind of get us started as we jump back into the Mosaic. And the first question is, is the Mosaic Covenant still in effect? Yes or no? Jonathan? No. The Mosaic Covenant was technically fulfilled in Christ. Okay. I'm not an advanced theologian, so I'm not exactly sure how or why yet. Sure. Uh, this is still like my first year. But he did, Christ did come and fulfill the Mosaic Covenant, so now we don't have to pretty much obey the law perfectly or we're going to get kicked out of America. That makes no sense. Sure. Yeah, we're not, we're not de- our lives in America are not dependent upon our obedience. Um, but I'm going to push just a little bit for, for the rest of you. If Christ did fulfill it, right, he fulfilled it for us, but what about for current Israelites? 
What about for Israelites and Jews who still keep kosher, who still circumcise? Are they still under the Mosaic Covenant? Is that still in effect? What do you think? John says yes. Okay. Any other answers or thoughts? Okay. To them, they may think it is. But what's the reality? They're treating it like it is. Steve? The scriptures say that God wrote them a certificate of divorce and has created a new bride. I don't see him having two different people. I think that the covenant of grace that points to the elect is the only covenant that's still Okay, so the... What Steve says is that God doesn't really have two people groups simultaneously. The covenant of grace was what was important. Isn't that Charlie? So, uh, in previous discussions with Pastor Fred, he's talked about how God had three sons, Adam, Israel, and Jesus. And in one of the beginning chapters of one of the Gospels, it says, I called my son Israel out of Egypt, referring to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the true Israel. So that's why he's the fulfillment. He's, he's the final son. Um, and by our unity with him, we are the true ones that strive with God. There's been always one ecclesia, one people of God, one congregation of God. Um, but because Jesus is the final son and our vicarious faith in him, he becomes the dividing line. So those people that try and continue on in a covenant that has been fulfilled and therefore passed away, as Paul has said, they are they are doing something that sort of doubles the, the coals on their head by rejecting Jesus, who said that if you do not have me, you do not have the Father. There is no access to God outside of Christ, therefore trying to keep alive a covenant that has been done away with is vanity, striving after the wind. Yeah. Yeah, essentially what Charlie said is that the, Jesus fulfills it because he is, he is the true Israel, right? He's the true son of God that Israel was pointing to. Um, so when Jesus fulfills the Mosaic, not only does the Mosaic pass away, but now the church has grown up in a sense. Right? We're not using the Mosaic, we're not under the Mosaic anymore, but now there's a new covenant. John? So getting back to your original question about those who keep the law and do so by the old covenant. Yeah. Paul says they do that. And then they have to do it in perfection, which they don't do. And that's where the change is. <clears throat> he condemns them in Galatians for starting out with the spirit and grace and then going back like this Israel we're talking about who uh, keeps the law supposedly, does all the sacrifices, goes through all the rituals, yet their heart is far from it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, to them, they're still doing the right thing. But Paul condemns them and says, no, you can't. And that's what the whole history shows to Jesus Christ, that they can't. Right. Well, and the Pharisees, they saw the Mosaic as, okay, this is it, right? We need to keep the, the Mosaic covenant perfectly. That's our path to eternal life. Um, current Israelites will still keep the Mosaic Covenant, 
Orthodox Jews um, because they still believe this is the true covenant, right? This is it. Whereas when Jesus comes and when Paul starts to talk about Jesus, right, he talks about it in terms of it's, it's passed away. Hebrews talks about this a lot because it talks about a change in priesthood. Because when you have a different priesthood, you have a different covenant. And the old covenant's dead. Right? We're not, I'm not a Levite. Right? Our deacons aren't Levites. They are deacons in the sense that they are following the line of the priesthood. But it's a different kind because we have Jesus as our high priest. We have a different priesthood now, so we have a different covenant. The old covenant, the Mosaic covenant, has passed away. Um, so it doesn't matter if you think in your head that you're keeping it or not. It's, it's gone. But if that's true, then we have to ask, well, when? When did it end? If it's gone and done with, when did it end? Michelle? I think on the cross, because that was the ultimate sacrifice, it paid everything. Yeah, the cross, for sure. That's always a safe answer. Is there anything that happened at Jesus' death that might trigger us or start to... Charlie? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you need to talk about it in terms of divorce, but you could talk about it in terms of, of something passing away, for sure, because what, what was the veil doing? Where was the veil? It blocked, it blocked access to the Holy of Holies, right? the innermost sanctum where only the high priest could go. Only the high priest was allowed in there, and then, even then only once a year and after many sacrifices. So when the curtain is torn, everyone has access to the Holy of Holies. You don't have to be a high priest. You don't have to be sanctified in blood because you are sanctified in blood. Jesus' is blood. Because as Hebrews says, he is our great high priest has gone into the Holy of Holies on our behalf. And when the, temp- when the veil is torn, the temple is done away with. That's the old covenant being rent open and saying, no more. We're going to do things differently now. Um, but that's, that's only when it officially began to be ended. Um, I think when it fully, properly, completely ended uh, was in 70 AD because Rome marched into Jerusalem, destroyed the city, and destroyed the temple. And Jesus talked about it in Matthew 24 as a cataclysmic event, right? This is, this is a huge event that's going to happen in 70 AD because it's going, to, it's going to destroy everything that once was. The Old Covenant is now destroyed. It began when the temple veil was torn, but now it's completely gone. So even, even the Orthodox Jews may believe they're still keeping the Mosaic law. There's, there's no temple. You could rebuild it, but it ha- it's just a building. Right? The only reason the temple is special is because the glory cloud had descended and filled the temple because it was the Mosaic administration, and now it's gone. All right, Jonathan. Died on the cross, and so 
Would it be possible to, like, you, want, you might want to be virtuous or try to be godly? Try. So you might follow the Mosaic Covenant or at least parts of it. Parts of it that still might have some are there, well, think about, think about us, right, and our worship service. Do we follow any parts of the Mosaic Covenant today? We don't follow, we, might, we follow parts of it. We do our best not to sin, etc. But something, but like, circumcision nowadays isn't such a big deal. Well, think about the reading of the law. Right. What do we read every Sunday? The Mosaic Law. Not just the Mosaic Law. We read a, a particular part of it. We read the Ten Commandments, which was given in the Mosaic Covenant. But that's because the Mosaic Covenant was showing us right, there is a way to walk in God's favor. And the Ten Commandments summarize what God wants his people to do, the kinds of people he wants them to be. So in a sense, we still follow those things, but we're not following the Mosaic Covenant. We're following the things that the Mosaic Covenant pointed to. The Mosaic Covenant is gone. But all the things in it pointed us somewhere. Pointed us to true things, to, to things that are still real for us, like the Ten Commandments. Would it be possible to like believe that Christ came with all of your heart and still follow the Mosaic Covenant? Uh, Paul talks about that in Galatians and says it's, it's not really compatible. If you want to follow Jesus, you won't you won't follow these this way because when you're circumcising yourself and following the Mosaic Covenant, what you're doing is subjecting yourself to keep the law perfectly on your own terms. And you can't. And it's impossible. Dave? It seems like the key difference there is what you're trusting for salvation. Are you trusting in Christ? Or are you trusting in your ability to keep the law? You know you can't keep the law. So if you believe in Jesus, then you have to trust him. As having fulfilled that law. Yeah. And, and don't, don't think that the Mosaic Law, the Mosaic Covenant, and Jesus are opposed to each other. Right? They're not. They're not fighting in, in the technical sense. Instead, Jesus is fulfilling the Mosaic Law. So if you follow Jesus, the Mosaic Law is already fulfilled. Right? The point is not, well, should I circumcise my kids and follow Jesus? No, the point is, if I follow Jesus, I get baptized and baptize your children. Um, that's following the Lord. Does that make sense, Jonathan? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Charlie, I think I saw your hand earlier. No? Okay. So, let's ask another question then. Why was Jesus' death the beginning of the end for the Mosaic Covenant? So we, we said, okay, when Jesus died, the temple veil was torn. Why? He fulfilled the law. What does that mean? He lived the standard that we couldn't live in our place. Uh, he did what God required, which was to live a perfect life, fulfilling all of the law uh, without sin, and, and then took our sin. died for that sin in our place. We made the sacrifice we couldn't make. So what David said is that Jesus, he fulfilled it by keeping it perfectly. 
Um, and so that's, that's the first answer to our question, our big picture question, right? What is the promised seed going to do? First answer, he's going to keep the law perfectly. What we're learning in the Mosaic Covenant is Israel can't do it perfectly. Someone has to. Jesus is that someone. So what God's people are learning is, okay, this promised seed, when he comes, he's going to do all of this perfectly. That's our first concrete answer to, okay, what is this teaching us about Jesus? He's going to keep the law. Uh, Matthew 5, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. And what did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. It has been accomplished. So when Jesus died on the cross, he's fulfilling and accomplishing the Mosaic Covenant. That's why it's not in effect anymore. Not for us, not for Orthodox Jews, not for anyone. Because it's been accomplished. So if you have not accepted Jesus Christ the Messiah, whether you're Jew or Gentile, you're still in covenant with God. But we've talked about this with with non-believers, right? If you don't believe in Jesus, that means you're still in the covenant with Adam and you're still under condemnation. Because you're either under Jesus or you're under Adam. Those are the only options. So Orthodox Jews are still in Adam. They're still under the covenant of works, a broken one. Uh, under which they're condemned. The only means of salvation, the only way out, is to then be in covenant with Jesus, um, to be under him. And when you're in covenant with Jesus, right? Galatians 4, Paul says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So Jesus was born under the Mosaic Covenant in order to redeem those who are under the Mosaic Covenant. And even bigger picture, he was born under the law as a human, under the law that had been broken, and he fulfilled it perfectly so that all those who are even in Adam might receive redemption and adoption. So Jesus fulfilled the legal demands um, in satisfying God's justice for our sin, Uh, and in perfectly obeying the law, so that Paul can say in Corinthians that he became sin, even though he knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Right? We call that double imputation, where our sin passes to Jesus, and Jesus' righteousness, right, when he kept the law perfectly, that righteousness is given to us. So notice a couple of things. Um, let's, let's talk even more specifically, right, about that accomplishment of the Mosaic Covenant. Um, he kept the law perfectly, yes, but what does that mean for us, for his people? Think about, think about the terms of the Mosaic Covenant. What happens when you keep the law of Moses perfectly? Okay. You get to stay in the land. You get to have long life in the land. Eddie? The phrase also has 
God will be your God. I will be your God. You will be my people. You'll be my treasured possession in all the earth. Um, you will have all the blessings that I can give you. Right? You'll be safe. You'll be protected. I will establish you as a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. Right? What does Peter say? We have been made a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. This means that when Jesus fulfilled the law, when he accomplished it, he earned all the blessings for himself. And then he shares it with his people. So when the Mosaic law is accomplished, right, he earns all the blessings and gives them to his people. And yet, what is the cross? The cross is a curse. So even though he earned all the blessings, he also received all the curses. All the curses for disobedience fell upon Jesus. So that means you will have a short life. You will be cursed. You'll be spat upon. You'll be humiliated. You'll be shamed. You'll die. You'll be exiled from God's presence. All those things happened to Jesus. So even though he was perfect and earned all the blessings, he received all the curses at the same time. So that we who are in Christ... Because of him, we receive all the blessings and none of the curses. That's what Paul can say in Romans 8. There is now therefore no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No more curses. They've all been poured out. Jesus' analogy that goes back to the uh, book of Isaiah is that he's drunk the cup of God's wrath down to its dregs. It's, it's all gone. It's all been junk. There's no more wrath, no more curse. Um, that's all been poured out already. So that's where we are. Covenantally. Blessings have been earned. Curses have been dealt with. Now we have life. Now you might say, okay, well, does that mean that I can just do whatever I want and it doesn't matter? Um, Paul addresses that. Right In Romans, he says, shall we keep on sinning, therefore that grace may abound? And he says, no, don't be stupid. Um, you play stupid games, you'll get stupid prizes. But no longer are you to be afraid of God's wrath for your disobedience. No longer are you to fear that you will be cast out of God's presence. Um, yeah, of course, if you, if you go murder someone, you're probably going to go to jail. If you are not following the Lord and you're running from God, he's going to discipline you. He's going to call you back, even if it means he's going to drag you kicking and screaming. Um, The Lord disciplines those he loves. So we're not meant to see consequence for sin as God's curse. We're meant to see it as God's discipline. Not as God cursing us for, see, you're horrible, I'm going to send curses on you. God's saying, I love you, and I don't want you to do this. I want what's good for you. So I'm going to discipline you so that you will return to what is good. Um, So hence, that's why Jesus, I can't believe I just used hence. um, That's why Jesus can truthfully say that whatever you ask of the Father, he'll give to you. On what basis? Because Jesus has earned all the blessings on your behalf. Sure, if you ask for sinful things, um, God probably won't give them to you because he's a good father. Right? Ask for a scorpion, he's not going to give it to you. Um, but if you ask for good things, if you ask for blessings, God will bless you. 
Right? Ask for mercy, and he'll be merciful. Ask for wisdom, and God will give you wisdom. Right? This, is, this is the practical level, in a sense, of like, okay, what does it mean that Jesus accomplished the Mosaic Covenant? All the blessings are ours. It means that all, that God, all the good things that God has for his people belong to you, and he will not withhold them. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what it means that Jesus kept the law. Um, so I want to dive a little bit into, this is, this is about why God gave the Mosaic Covenant. Um, we've talked about why God gave it. Okay, he's teaching us our need for a Savior, right? That we see that we can't keep it perfectly. So that's one way that God's law points us to grace. But are there any other ways that the commands of God, the Mosaic law, the law itself, that it points to Jesus? Well, in a way, God says, if you obey me, you will be able to say Yeah, so it, it points us to the fact that there's a coming person who's going to keep the law perfectly. Right? That we're, Israel's going to earn exile, but God's going to bring them back by grace and put them and plant them in the land forever. Dave? Um, it's important, too, to notice that the, the Savior had to be born of a woman. He had to be seed just as Adam was, because otherwise he couldn't live to fulfill that law. So he had to be a man just as we are, just as Adam was. Yeah. Yeah, so it's pointing us to the fact that, okay, whoever this is has to be a man, but it has to be a perfect man, right? Someone who is not corrupted to his core like we are. How else does the covenant of Moses point Israel to their Messiah? Think about all the uh, institutions of the Mosaic covenant, right? What did Israel have to do to go worship God? They had to commit, commit sacrifice. They had to offer sacrifices. Why? Anyone? Sin requires blood. Right? Hebrews says that there is no forgiveness of sin without bloodshed. But then Hebrews also says that the blood of bulls and goats cannot cleanse sin. So Israel, even in the sacrificial system... We're being pushed to the fact that, okay, we could offer all the bulls and the goats in the world, but it doesn't mean anything, right? David will say in Psalm 51, the blood of bulls and goats you have not desired. What you desire is a broken and contrite heart. It's pushing us to the fact that bulls and goats ain't going to cut it. We need a better sacrifice. Charlie? I mean, that further confirms the non salvific nature of the Mosaic Covenant. The blood of bulls and goats were never sufficient. Always pedagogical, always pointing forward. So the blood that 
Mm -hmm. over them, kind of governing them until the one who comes on the clouds to the Ancient of Days and receives all that authority and glory actually arrives. That's what Christ says of the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Um, and so the, the, the one that was overseeing them, the law, moves aside and the one with actual authority, the law incarnate is here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it points us to the fact that the Mosaic Covenant is not about eternal life because bulls and goats can't actually atone for sin and bring you into right standing before God. The Mosaic Covenant, right, it was required for, for worship, but even still it was pointing Israel to the fact that if we want to be with God forever, we can't just keep offering bulls and goats and doves and pigeons and, and lambs for eternity, Right? We need a perfect sacrifice so we don't have to do this anymore because we keep sinning. We keep needing sacrifice. We need one sacrifice once and for all. That's what Jesus does. Alex? So, um, the sacrifices of those animals, did they do anything in terms of, um, at least temporarily, uh, like paying for the sin that we committed? Or was that just, like Charlie was saying, So, to, to get at your question, think back to the Adamic covenant. Right? When God said, all you have to do is don't eat this tree and you'll have eternal life, was that like a fair exchange? In the sense of like, okay, if you're going to earn eternal life, you'd think that the, maybe the bar would be a little higher than don't, don't have a pair. So, in a sense, in the covenantal terms... God is offering something better than what is, he's, is being offered by Adam. So I, I don't think that the blood of, goat, of bulls and goats was actually propitiating for sin. But in the terms of the Mosaic Covenant, it was sufficient and accepted by God in, according to the Mosaic Covenant. But it was only sufficient because it was pointing towards a better sacrifice. Right, it was pointing towards the fact that your sins actually can't be forgiven by this. Like, you can, you can stay in the land and have long life and be blessed by, by doing this. But I think even those who were offering it when they were doing it in faith, they weren't putting their faith in the bulls and goats. They were putting their faith in a God who would forgive sin that, honestly, they don't deserve to have forgiven. You can't temporarily forgive. Yeah. There were still, there were elements though that were pointing towards it. Okay, it has to be a perfect lamb, right? It has to be without spot or blemish. How good the sacrifice is changes how effective it is. 
So that points, that's pedagogical, right? It, it teaches Israel it has to be a perfect sacrifice. It has to be the lamb, the spotless lamb without blemish. So Revelation, right? I turned and looked about the lion in Judah, and instead I saw a lamb, stand, lamb standing as though slain. John, I think I saw your hand. Yeah, in agreement with what you were saying, Scripture says that he, in that generation, overlooked the sins of the fathers. And I think that's what he was pointing to. <coughs> Not that they didn't sin, but he wasn't holding it to their account until after Christ had come and died. Then the new Adam came, and they were required at that point, heaven now has come, according to the Scriptures. Now they have no excuse. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the Noahic covenant, right? That's God postponing judgment in order for there to be a room for grace. God, God holds back judgment on earth so that the gospel can go forth, so that people might believe and be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. So we're just being clear that there's not an alternative mode of salvation being offered. right? The Mosaic covenant, it's not a secondary means of salvation apart from Jesus. Even the sacrifices, right? They were just meant to point to Jesus. All of the Mosaic Covenant points to the, to the Messiah. Um, and we'll, we'll keep talking about different ways um, that the Mosaic Covenant points us to the Messiah. Uh, Charlie? I was going to say, just for Alex, the, the things that were given to Israel were useful insofar they were outlets to exercise the faith that they'd been given, similarly to what we do with the New Covenant with the Lord's Supper and baptism, right? These are forms given to us that faith might be expressed in them, but they themselves are not the condition of the covenant. Faith is the condition of the new covenant. Likewise, that's what they were for. It was not that... Like, yeah, oh, a way to express contrition. Right, simply because like God's our Father and He says, do this. And He requires that love, that loving obedience in these things that He's given. Or David... That's what the merit of that was just practice your faith in this. Yeah. Or David saying, right, you will not, blood of bulls and goats, what value does it have? But a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. Right? Repentance is not found in simply doing the act of killing a bunch of animals. Because if you just do that as a checkbox, it's not, you're, you're not repentant. Um, what matters is the heart that does it. What matters is the heart, right? If it's a broken and contrite heart who is grieved over his sin, that's repentance. And that will flow out um, in the right ways. Um, I know we're just go early, but I don't really want to jump into another big thing just yet. So um, unless there's any other questions or comments, we'll close for today. And then we'll pick up next week uh, to continue talking about how the Mosaic Covenant points Israel to the Messiah. Um, any other Final thoughts, questions, jabs, barbs? Uh, this is a pear tree, not a pear tree. Okay. This is a quick question or comment. Um, thinking of how Psalm 19 describes the law um, as the law of the Lord, converting his soul, more sure, making my disciple, et cetera, et cetera. It, and it obviously, it's given by God as a as kind of a um, description of his character, as a 
people, how he wants his people really to handle it. Uh, is, there, is there a sense in which we could argue that that law given to us is a representation of Christ in the sense Christ fulfilled it because he can live it perfectly and thus that law is Christ in that sense or not Christ but a picture of him because this is you know we're revealing the character of God and thus obviously of Jesus in the law that's given to us right no you're you're absolutely right and that that's the big picture that we're trying to keep in mind is what's the promise he's going to do everything that God commanded the Mosaic law because everything God commanded was part of his character, right? Jesus comes, he is God. So, of course, he fulfills the Mosaic Covenant because it's just all his character. His character is shown in that he, is, he does all the things the Mosaic Law commanded. Um, when we look at the Mosaic Law, we'll see our sin. We'll see Christ's righteousness. And we'll see um, how we can then honor God. And we'll talk about that when we actually start to talk about, okay, what kinds of laws were there in the Mosaic Covenant? How do we relate to, like, the civil law in Moses? How do we relate to the ceremonial law? Um, so we'll start to talk about that. Um, Michelle? Uh, okay. I was thinking it's kind of funny that we know Jesus obeyed the Mosaic law perfectly, but the Pharisees kept accusing him of breaking the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Is that because he wasn't obeying all their extra Things. I mean, he was keeping the Sabbath. He says he was. Yeah. Right? Well, he says he made the Sabbath. Yeah. Right? He's the Lord of the Sabbath. Okay. How can you accuse the Lord of the Sabbath for breaking the Sabbath? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So it can't be a problem in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, it has to be a actually have a, a session on the Sabbath, I don't know, six months, um, where we'll talk about some of these things because the Pharisees missed the point of the Sabbath. They don't understand what the Sabbath is about. Because if you understand what it's about, of course people would be healed on the Sabbath. When we come to church, what do we receive? Healing, grace, mercy, love. Right? <laughs> of course, like if you start to understand what the Sabbath is, which the Pharisees didn't, Everything Jesus does makes sense. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Yeah? Thank you. Okay. Um, Well, let's pray, and then we'll be all done for today. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you sent your Son to keep the law on our behalf. We thank you that you have given us every blessing available in Christ, that you do not withhold anything that is good from us. Lord, may you help us to see with the eyes of faith our lives, to understand what you're doing in our lives, even when you discipline us. Help us, Lord, to rejoice in what Christ has done. And help us, Lord, to earnestly seek to walk after Jesus, to walk in a manner pleasing to you, to be holy as you are holy, not to earn, but in gratitude and joyful love for who you are, Lord. Bless us as we worship you this morning. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.